Amen. So we're still in the uh, course book of Ephesians. I told you it would take about 10. We've got about three left. So we our thing. And today I want to talk about dirt devils. And it's not the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> talk about dirt devils. We're going to vacuum some up. Amen. We're going to get some things done because these stinky things are in the way. Right? Fist bump your neighbor and say, we're going to get rid of your dirt devils today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get right into Ephesians, and all the, I think all the scriptures today are from the Passion Translation. I'm hoping you're liking this translation. I, I've not really researched it, but so far, every, everything about it I really like. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. we got chapter 4, 5, and 6 left to go. So, with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live, say, not like the unbelievers. Drop the mic, go home. Don't live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Can I interpret that? Fake news. It's fake. Their corrupted logic has become clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from mm -hmm, the true knowledge of God. There's a separate, there's a veil. There's a separation. We've been we, we started out talking about being seated with him, say seated with him, in heavenly places. And now we're going to, we're going to continue talking about walking. Don't walk till you learn how to sit. You need to learn how to sit first. You need to learn how to position yourself in heavenly places. You come out, you work out of rest. You don't work, then rest. You rest, then work. You learn how to be seated with him in heavenly places. And out of that place of rest, out of that being seated, uh huh. now we can start walking. But how many believe there is a certain way to walk? Uh-huh. Okay. So let's skip down to verse 25 through 32. Amen. And we'll, we'll, we'll hit everything. But let me jump down to this because this is the list that Paul gives us. And how many know just because you hit everything on the list doesn't mean that you've escaped it. Don't, don't try to shortlist it. So discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you will be known as one who always speaks the truth. Is that your reputation? For we all belong to one another. That's why we don't lie because we belong to each other. We're, we're connected. You're even connected to people you don't like. Sorry. They're blood bought like you. If Jesus bought them like he bought you, it's none of your business what they do. Oh, Jesus. So, but don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Be angry and sin not. Don't let anger control you or, or be fuel for revenge, not for even a day. Uh -huh. Don't give the slanderous accuser, sorry, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. If any of you has stolen from someone else, never do it again. Instead, be industrious, earning an honest living, and then you'll have enough to bless those in need. Do you realize that's probably the real reason you work is so you can be a blessing to somebody? Lord, I actually got amens on that. <laughs> I thought it was to get rich. And never... Let ugly or hateful words, I think the King James says corrupting words. Uh, listen, you need to understand everything that comes out of your mouth either builds up or tears down. You're either building something or tearing something down. And, of course, some things need to be tore down, but not your brother. Come on now. So, and we need to just preach, well, we have, but we need to keep preaching 
on corrupting words and understand what those are. You could have a corrupting word towards your children. You could have corrupting words towards leadership. You can have corrupting words towards other people. So we need to understand that, that words are powerful. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So we need to be careful about what comes out of... uh, You would be wise to not talk so much because you'll be judged by every idle word. And some of you are going to spend centuries in heaven answering for all your... Talk. Drop the mic, go home again. Amen. That's, just, that's Really, that's enough. So don't let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Verse 30 says, the Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience full salvation. Wow. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We think once we get saved, oh, I'm going to heaven, got my ticket stamped. There is such a thing as full salvation. So what is, what is, what is full salvation? Full salvation is when you're not just forgiven, but you start looking and acting like Jesus. Full salvation. In other words, let's get all the benefits of salvation besides just being forgiven. Oh, that's deep, that's deep, that's deep. I deserve a rape. Until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Oh, we do that sometimes. We take... We, we, we just take for granted, amen, even even our church services, you know, until you visit somewhere else and you're like, I'm glad I'm going home. We take for granted the move of the Holy Spirit. We take for granted how precious He is. We, we can grieve the Spirit of God. Oh, we don't ever want it. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, ha. revenge, profanity. And insults. Well, there it is. But instead, say, but instead. Be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Wow. Isn't that a great uh, series of truths? Speak truth. Don't give place to the devil. Quit stealing. Don't speak corruptly. Don't grieve the spirit. Don't be angry or violent. Be kind, tender, and forgiving. Oh. I, I kind of think Paul picked this up from the Old Testament, from Psalms chapter 15. Look at the similarities here in verse, verse 1 through 5. Lord, who dares to dwell with you? Who, who presumes the privilege of being close to you, living next to you in your shining place of glory? Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? Oh, I love this. Lots of questions. Here's the answers. They are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere and always speaking the truth, for their hearts are trustworthy. Oh, that's good. They refuse to slander or insult others. They'll never listen to God, even listen to gossip or rumors, nor would they ever harm another with their words. Paul picked up on this. They will speak out passionately against evil and evil workers while commending the faithful ones who follow after the truth. They make firm commitments and follow through even at great costs. Oh, how many times do we 
promise to do something, and then if it becomes inconvenient, we break our promise. We need to keep our promises even at great cost. They never crush others with exploitation or abuse, and they would never be bought with a bribe against the innocent. They will never be shaken. They will stand firm forever. Give God a praise right there. Amen. Powerful. So how, how do Christians wind up living like this? How, how, how do we get to that place where everything it says there in Psalms and everything Paul says in Ephesians, it, it, becomes, it becomes the way we actually live? Wow. How is that possible? I think the only way it's possible, we, listen, when you got saved, God declared it possible. We're just not always living it. And I think it's because along the way, we keep picking things up that need to be shaken off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I, I know some of us haven't sinned in 20 years, so if that's you, you know, just tune me out, except for that lying spirit. The rest is okay. Some people, you know, they just think, you know, their heads... Their heads are in the clouds. They just, they just, they just walk in the Holy Spirit, and they're just amazing spiritual people and 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 holy people. And they, and they just the trouble the trouble about walking with your head in the clouds all the time is you you don't you're not really aware of where your feet are. So I don't I don't care how much time you spend with your head in the clouds. You still need to understand that your feet will always be in the dirt. Until the rapture, until God takes you home, you're just like me. You walk in the dirt. That's why Jesus spoke to Peter. Peter said, wash me all over. And Jesus said, you don't need to be washed over all over. Just your, just your. Because no matter how holy we are, how amazing we are, God just talks to us every hour of the day. You get up in the morning and he tells you what color socks to wear. I mean, you're close. He just tells you everything, right? Every step of the way, God's just speaking to you, speaking to you. I don't care how, how I don't care how close you are to God. Your feet, your feet stink just like everybody else's. You walk in the same dirt I walk in. You face the same trials I face. You face the same temptations I face. It talks about it. He said Eli, even Elijah was a man who faced the same things we faced. Amen. It doesn't matter who we are. In fact, sometimes I think the closer to you get to God, the more aware you become of how unworthy you really are. People who think that they're sin-free are probably sinful. Everybody else can see it. There's another drop of might go home right there. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Amen. We we pick things up. And it doesn't matter how holy you are, you're living amongst demons. (laughs) You're living amongst all kinds of temptations. You, You can't help but pick things up so it's not, but it's not about how much you pick up, it's how much you get off. And I'm just going to call them dirt devils. They, they, amen? You know, in the garden, right, he cursed the snake. Apparently the snake did not crawl. He was cursed, and now he crawls in the dirt. In other words, he eats dirt, but that's what we're made of. Don't let the devil consume you, amen. Glory to God. So it's in the dirt that we walk through and we pick things up 
that keep us back from what we should be. Amen. We pick up things like depression and, and discouragement, and we pick up lies and deceit in our lives. Amen. And we begin to believe things that aren't true about ourselves or other people. Come on now. We get tempted, amen, to do things and say things and treat people in ways that we should not do. Look at Matthew 10 and, and verse 12 and 12 through 14, Jesus talking to his disciples, they're in a training seminar here, right? And he says, once you enter a house, speak to the family there and say, God's blessing and peace be upon this house. Uh And if those living there welcome you, let your peace come upon the house. It's one thing to say it. It's something else for them to receive it. So there it is. But... If you are rejected, anybody here ever get rejected? If you've been saved a day, you know what I'm talking about. If you're rejected, that blessing of peace will come back upon you. So when you're rejected, the feeling you get should not be one of rejection. It should be one of even greater peace. Wow. Wow. Now that's a God thing. That takes God. And if anyone doesn't listen to you and rejects your message, not you and your puny feelings, it's not about us being rejected. It's about the message being rejected. That's really what they're rejecting. If you can get that in your head, you'll get through a lot of this stuff. Quit taking personal what people say about you because it's really not about you. If you change your message, they'd probably accept you. If you compromise, they might like you. If you preach it the way they want it preached, they'll accept you. If you'll just if, if you'll let them off the hook and just let them know it's okay, do what you want to do, amen. Live any way you want to live. You're going to heaven just like you are. Just preach it the way they want to hear it. They'll like you just fine. For you know you'll be joining in their little party. So it's not about rejecting you, it's about who lives in you. Mm, anybody know what I'm talking about? So here it is, here it is. When you leave that house or that entire town, shake the dust off your feet. Oh, is anybody here? Shake the dust, say shake the dust off your feet as a prophetic act that you will not take their defilement with you. People have preached this, so that's some kind of act of judgment against them. You know, understand part of it, but the main part of this message is simply this. It's God, let God deal with them. It's not about, let let God deal with them. The thing is, what about you? And, And the prophetic act is mainly about this, that I'm not going to take this with me. I will not be influenced by this. I will not be brought down. I will not be stopped. I will not be hindered. My feelings aren't going to get hurt. I will not be offended. Wow. I will not be offended. Boy, some of us just need to make up our minds. We are not going to be offended because fact of the matter, it's not about you anyway. You've been bought with a price. You're supposed to be dead. It's hard to hurt the feelings of a dead man. God help us. We got too many Christian zombies. They're kind of dead, but very much alive. Jesus. Ha! First Verse 15, you should let me go more often. I just, in other words, we, we don't want to take the defilement with us. Now, now, the disciples understood this. This was not new theology to them. They understood this very clearly because the Jews had a custom that whenever they crossed 
from Gentile land into the promised land. Amen? You all know about the promised land. There were boundaries around the promised land. The promised land was very clearly marked off. This land is yours. Of course, you've got to run the demons off of it, but the, but the promised land, your promise is yours. There are boundaries around it. And, and what the Scriptures say, what the Jews believe, is that whenever you came, when you went on a journey, you went on a trip, and you went walking around in Gentile world, that when you came into the promised land, before you stepped across the border, you were supposed to wipe Gentile dust off your feet. Don't ever bring Gentile dust into the promised land. Don't ever bring sinner dust into the promise that God has given you. Don't ever let the lies of the enemy be brought into your promise. Amen. Don't ever let the lies of the enemy, the deceit of the enemy, influence your thinking, influence your thoughts, affect your heart. My God, somebody help me in this house. It's time to shake off the dust. You can literally just do this by literally just washing your feet. But it doesn't have to be a literal thing with literal water. But it does need to be something we understand and realize that as we walk through our day, all day long, we're getting bombarded. We're being attacked. Things are coming against our mind. Temptations on our spirit. And we get all these accumulation of things. And just every once in a this is why the Jews prayed, what, seven times a day, amen. I, I just think we need to pray more than once a day. And, and as we go through the day, we need to, we need to just take some time and, hello, you're going to look weird, but maybe it's okay. You don't literally have to raise your foot. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? There just needs to be times where you just reconnect with him and, and say, God, Whatever has influenced my thinking, whatever has corrupted my mind, whatever is affecting my body, I rebuke and refuse and shake off in the name of Jesus. Am I helping anybody this morning? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They didn't believe that Gentile dirt was worthy to be brought into the promised land. And there's just too many things going on in our lives, quite frankly, that are not worthy to be brought into his presence. Glory to God. And it's as simple, it's as easy as shaking it off. We need to stop carrying our past into our present. A few weeks ago, I may have mentioned this somewhere. If it was you or not, it's worth repeating. The Lord gave me this a few weeks ago. He said so clearly to me, so clearly, I have bought your past. Somebody's getting it. We we just think in terms of the past being forgiven. No, no, it goes way beyond forgiven. He actually purchased. When he died on the cross, he paid the price. Paid the price. We say that, but don't realize what we're saying. If he paid the price, what did he buy? He bought your past. Now, that's a revelation if you can get somebody out to get that right now. Because if he bought your past, why are you still living there? What are you still doing there? Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. Why? Why? Oh, my God. You need to change your address, honey, because that property doesn't belong to you. Some of you are squatters. You're living on property you don't even own. Somebody needs to take legal authority over you. 
cast you out of your own. You don't own that anymore. Your failure has been bought. It doesn't belong to you. Your discouragement, your past, your failures, your mess-ups. Oh, come on, somebody. I know none of you ever messed up, but I'm here to tell you all that you've messed up is in the past. It's been purchased. You don't own it anymore. Is there any other way I can say it? You do not own it. If I sell you my car and we sign the deed, how weird would that be for me to come back next week and say, hey, can I borrow the keys? I'm going to take my... No, you sold me that car, but I like that car. It was my favorite car. You shouldn't have sold it because now it's mine. Jesus has a message for some of you. You can't have the car. You can't have your past. (laughs) I paid for it, and I paid dearly for it. I didn't, listen, he didn't get a 90% off sticker. He paid for it plus. He didn't just pay for your sins. He paid for my sins, your sins, your, oh, my God. He paid for it all, and we're still running around in illegal vehicles, ungood, unauthorized use. Like dancing. God, I think they're actually getting it. Amen. Fist bump your neighbor and say, let it go. It doesn't belong to you. It's illegal. Woo! Is anybody getting this? He purchased our past. While we're at it, he probably purchased the present and future too. Oh, we'll save that for. Let's just save that. We'll just save that for. Let's start washing feet instead of judging feet. Let's wash feet. Hebrews 12. I'll hurry up. Hebrews 12. and, And for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must. Let go, say let go, of every wound. He bought the wounds. But preacher, you don't know what he bought the pain. You don't know how hard he bought it, brother. Let it go. Must let go of every wound that has pierced us. And the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us pastor how long can you go we'll see we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze oh no fuck unto jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us toward into leads us forward into faith perfection. His example is this because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. That's what got him through the cross. He has an inheritance and it's you. That motive. Oh, you're worth it. Fist bump. Someone say, You're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. He, because of this, Shotala Messiah. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down 
and cave in under life's pressures. Consider Jesus. You'll never wear out. Verse 20 of Ephesians 4. Let's finish this up. Here's what it says. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded with. If you have really experienced the anointed and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man. The ancient man, the old self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given and be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as in your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again and in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. What a mouth, Lord, help us. In other words, we've got to find a way to let the old man die. Paul, Paul screams in Romans, who shall deliver from this death? Who shall deliver? The Romans had a custom when somebody murdered somebody, they would, they would strap the dead body to their back. The rot and the worms in the dead body would come into your back. That ain't no way to die. Oh, I think I'd think twice about killing somebody. That's a lot worse than air-conditioned room in a but that's exactly what we're allowing to happen. We're still carrying around the old man, and it's affecting us, killing us. We need to stop identifying with Adam and start identifying with the second Adam. Just, just real quick, a little teaching real quick. You still here? How many are still here? Okay, I'll go with 90%. Noah, right? Methuselah was the last generation knew Adam. God waited until everybody who knew Adam. Remember how long? So God waited until everyone who knew Adam. Methuselah was like the seventh from Adam. Seven generations. He was his great, great, great. Until all who knew Adam died. Then, say then. Then God started a new thing with I dare say that a lot of you will never see the new thing till you cut yourself off from the old thing. Till what is what is mm, your former nature dies and you let God take it because it's his. And you let that old Adam in you die, literally die. It's not about just being forgiven. Something needs to die. Reckon yourself alive to him. Start identifying. We identify more with the first Adam. We make excuses for our behavior. Well, I'm like this, and my mama, I'm like this, and my grandma. Listen, quit identifying. Quit excusing bad behavior because you're identifying with the old nature, and I can't help myself, and it's someone else's fault. Amen. It's not about the old Adam. You indeed have been set free from sin, and you need to start living like the new Adam in you. You're a new creation in Christ. Oh, Jesus. Musicians come, and they'll help me find the right airport. Jesus. It's interesting. Methuselah. Methuselah means he shall die in the flood. <laughs> we, need, we need a foot. That's what baptism's supposed to be. <laughs> Amen. That's supposed to symbolize you dying in the flood. Noah means comforter. There's the Holy Ghost. Wow. Like Paul. Let me close with this. Like Paul. Remember, remember Paul got shipwrecked. He's at the campfire. I hate it when this happens. He's at the campfire, you know, moving some sticks around, getting the fire going. And there's a viper 
There's a snake hiding in the embers. Listen, whenever there's a Holy Ghost fire, there's always a snake hiding in the fire. Whenever you start getting on fire for him and things begin to move and God's doing amazing things and you just remember, there's always something hiding in the fire. And as it's hiding in the fire, it reaches out and bites him. And it just hangs on. and It hangs on. And everyone else with their corrupting language say, oh, he's He's a goner. Has anyone ever written you off? Has anyone ever said, you'll never make it? Has anyone ever prophesied mess over you? Oh, he's dead. Paul didn't listen to them. He didn't go running to a doctor. He didn't take their advice. He didn't call for a nurse and say, I'm not feeling good. Uh, Here's what Paul did. He shook it off. He shook it off. You know why he shook it off? Because he's in the hands of the Father. Because, because his past has been purchased by God. It doesn't belong to him anymore. He shook it off. 